Welcome to my podcast, Orion Talks. In this podcast, I'm going to talk everything healing and spirituality. It also gives me the ability to answer a lot of the questions I get fired my way that I don't really ever get a chance to answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump straight into the questions and see what feels right to talk about as well. So the first question I've got um, is how do I start showing myself love and build my self-worth? Now, this is a very, very good question and it's something that everyone is or comes up against on your journey, on your spiritual journey, on your healing journey. We never learn what love truly is. So we were never taught it. We all have our own versions of love. And my version of love is based on the experiences that I've had growing up in the environment that I have. And your version of love is based on the experiences you've had growing up in the environment that you have. So first we've got to understand that we don't actually know what love is and that's not because our caregivers were bad or our family were bad and they didn't love us love has an actual way there is a way to love now two of the main ways that i've always talked about and i've heard and i think they're the best examples ever is to love is to accept if I unconditionally love someone, then I unconditionally accept that person to be themselves. I accept them in any state that they are. So when they're angry, I accept that they're angry. When they're sad, I accept that they're sad. If they're frustrated, that's okay. Now, this doesn't mean that I will allow any behavior. This doesn't mean that any behavior is completely okay because I unconditionally love you. I can unconditionally love, i.e. unconditionally accept someone and not have them in my life. I can unconditionally love someone and if they keep crossing my boundaries, if they keep going against my personal truth, I can then make a decision that it's not okay but I accept you being that version of yourself that I find not okay. So that's one part of love is the acceptance. Another part of love is to take on as a part of yourself. And if I love someone, then I take them on as a part of myself. That way, if I make a decision that's going to hurt them, then it's going to hurt me. So, it's really important, first of all, to understand love. Because if I'm trying to love myself, I need to understand what that means. What does it mean to love myself? And most people will not know until we learn. You don't know because society doesn't know. Society doesn't teach you. In fact, society teaches you the exact opposite. The mainstream parenting technique teaches you the exact opposite. There's a lot of experiences we've had in our lives where it's taught us to reject parts of ourselves. And if we are rejecting parts of ourselves, we are not accepting them. So this is not love. So first and foremost, it's about understanding what love is. It's to accept and to take on as a part of yourself. Now, the way that I can love myself, I have to understand how I work as a human being. I have to understand how I work as a spiritual being. I have to understand everything that I am. So if I have learned in my life to reject parts of myself, then there are parts of myself that I am pushing away, which is what the rejection is. We have experiences where we create aspects within ourselves. And these are like parts of ourselves. In those experiences, we learn or we have to reject a part of ourselves in order to stay safe. And that's how we stay safe. 
So any experience we have throughout our lives that will be emotionally distressful to us without any resolution for that distress, we reject that part of ourselves that is experiencing that emotional distress. This is how we keep ourselves safe. We reject it by putting it somewhere we don't have conscious awareness of, which is our subconscious. We are unaware of these parts of ourselves. So, if I'm unaware of the parts of myself that I am rejecting, how do I start practicing self-love? I need to learn how to accept these parts of myself. I need to learn how to bring them in with love, which is acceptance, and to take them on as a part of myself, which is what love is. Now, by learning that, we're learning how to show myself love. Because that way, and the way we do that is healing. The process of healing is to explore these parts of myself. The way... I mean, to describe what healing is, I'm going to do it in kind of like the top level way that I can. But healing isn't to do one thing. It's to understand how the vehicle works, understand why things are the way they are, and then understand how to heal. It's like asking a person to fix a part of the engine of a car without understanding how the car works. Like you have to learn what all of these are and how they work. This is literally the reason why I created my online course, Emotionally Heal Yourself, because the most asked question that I got was how do you heal yourself? And it's not a simple one sentence answer. But to talk about the top level of what it is to heal yourself, to heal yourself is to bring in these parts of yourself that you have rejected throughout your life because you've had these experiences of emotional distress without that resolution and the way that we do that is through feeling what they are feeling feeling the emotions that they are carrying when i am triggered to feel an emotion it's not just the emotion this is an emotional flashback this is an emotion that i have been unaware of that i rejected in the moment that I experienced emotional distress. So by not being aware of it, and this being the regular way that I treat this part of myself, every time I am triggered to feel an emotional flashback, it's me taking this rejected part on. But I don't know what to do in that moment. This is why I'm saying healing is to learn all the tools to learn what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. I don't even really know how I work. So I'm going to keep doing what I've always done, which is reject that part of myself again. So I'm going to push it away. I'm going to reject it because at least that way, I'm not feeling the undesirable emotions that it carries, whether that's fear or anger or shame or despair. It's about learning how to bring that self, bring that part of myself on. And once I bring that part of myself on, I can feel the emotion that it's carrying and allow myself to release that suppressed emotion. The way it's suppressed is in that rejection, I'm suppressing that part of myself. And by taking that part of myself on, I'm allowing that part of myself to feel the suppressed emotion and to release it. Now, in that connection of feeling the emotion that it's carrying, that's how I take that part of myself on. And sometimes some parts just need that. They just need to be felt. And other times some parts need more. Sometimes I will feel emotions and it will come with a lot of communication. The communication will be the memory and the moment when I learn to reject and suppress that part of myself. And more often, and the reason I did that is because 
there were unmet needs in that emotional distress. I didn't have the needs met. This is why it was distressful for me. So I can communicate with that part of myself now that I've felt that part of myself, I've taken on that part of myself and felt the emotion that it's carrying. I can communicate with that part of myself, like have a conversation, like two people would converse and have a conversation. And with that, in that moment, I can ask that part of myself what it needs. I can validate that part of myself. I can validate that part of myself by telling that part of myself that it's completely understandable, however they're feeling. And it's okay to feel the way they do because we are emotional beings and emotions are first. This is why I constantly always say, on my social media, on all my videos, that it's completely okay however you feel. Because you are an emotional being, emotion comes first before anything. That's very, very normal. It's just you've been brought up in an environment, in a time, in a society, and had the upbringing where you've constantly been told that you shouldn't feel this way and you shouldn't feel that way. And if these parts of me are feeling that way, that I've been told that I shouldn't feel, and that's the reason I get rejected for feeling the way that these parts of me feel, then I need to reject this part of me in order to maintain a connection with the people that I rely on for. So I learn to reject these parts of myself and I do it over and over and over again. And now I have rejected so many parts of myself. So how do I start showing myself love and build myself worth? I emotionally heal and start taking these parts of myself on. That's the most powerful way. That's the kind of like the core way of doing it. Now there are other things you can do as well. It's not only that. To love myself, you know, I can I can treat myself in a different way. But again, if I'm catching myself treating myself badly, there's a reason for that. This is a, a part of myself, again. And that part of myself, believe it or not, is valid. So learning how to love yourself is not necessarily to do one thing. Is to catch yourself in the moments where you are speaking badly to yourself and you are thinking badly to yourself and making decisions to understand why that part of you is speaking to you like that. You can take that part of you on as well to understand and you'll learn that even though it's unhealthy, these parts have learned to be like this as a way to try and keep you safe an example of this could be that i adopt the same way that i'm spoken to by someone else and i speak to myself like that as a way to make sure that i don't step out of line or that i don't act in a different way which will then get me even more rejected we do the thing that's being done onto us onto ourselves and that's a way of keeping ourselves safe so any way that you're speaking badly to yourself is a way that you've adopted that behavior as a way to stay safe so it's going to be really really helpful to catch yourself in those moments become aware you can even start making different decisions in the moments you become aware even in the moments where you may spill something, how you react is how you, how you react with yourself. Let's say if you spill something, is this, you'll feel the same as if someone else reacts like that towards you. So if I spill, uh, I always use the example of like making lunch and making eggs. Let's say I'm about to take the egg out the pan and put it on a piece of toast and I drop the egg and now it's ruined 
in that very moment, I will be triggered. But in that very moment, how I speak to myself is very, very, very important. So catching myself in those moments, becoming aware and allowing myself to make mistakes, learning that it's okay to make mistakes, learning that it's okay to absolutely mess up. So we're learning new stuff along with unlearning old stuff. One of the best um, questions that I've always heard in terms of, um, or better yet, one of the best tools that I've always heard in terms of someone who's learning how to love themselves, which I used, was in the moments you're unsure what to do, you can ask yourself, what would someone who loves themselves do? That really, really helped me a lot. So it's not necessarily doing one thing, but through your healing, you're taking on these aspects of yourself. And by allowing them to feel however they do, and validating that, because how you feel is a communication, you're unconditionally accepting them. You're working towards unconditionally accepting them as well. I will also be doing a self-love online course at some point um but that is something that will come up maybe if you watch this video it's already live um but all my courses are on my website and the links will be in the description of whatever you're listening to this on um okay i'm going to move on to the next one if you can't if you can touch on the subject of narcissistic abuse and how it relates to the familiarity of growing up in that type of environment, I saw many things my ex-abuser did that my mum did. I needed his validation. Yeah, I left the guy over 15 times. Yeah. Look, we are... Our own environment when we grow up is what our reality is. So if I'm brought up just like I said earlier, we all have our different versions of love. My version of love is based on my experiences. Yours is based on your experiences. So if I've been brought up in a household that's quite dramatic and erratic and unpredictable and has always been unsafe to me because my caregivers or everyone around me have always been angry or I've always had to be hyper-focused and careful of how my caregivers are and what their emotional state are which then makes me feel responsible because every time they're happy I'm safe and every time they're not happy it's very very unsafe so I also take the responsibility to try and make them happy because that means safety this is familiar to you so if I grow up in an environment I'm familiar with that environment. So now that's my normal. And as an adult, I will attract someone to me that will mirror what my normal is. Because my normal is me. Everything is the self. Everything is from within. And this is what I am familiar with. So it even goes as far as being with a type of person there are people that will get into relationships with other people and you know we're talking about relationship attachment styles let's say you can get someone who's an anxious or an avoidant getting with a secure and they will see that as boring because it doesn't have the erraticness the draw the drama that they are used to, that they're familiar with, that they have learnt is what love is. So because that's not happening, it's boring for them. So it's about understanding that it's based on my experience of my life. Now, 
that person also has a very has had a very similar experience. This is why when I get with someone like this, it's normal to me and it's normal to them. And even though I find it undesirable, I don't necessarily like the drama. But at the same time, it's normal and it's familiar. I always do the the test when you put your fingers uh, interlocked like this. And then I always ask to just move them up one and put them down again. Now, when you do that, you realize that there's a level of uncomfortability in your mind. And if you hold it like that, it gets even more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable. That's because it's unfamiliar. And your being, your mind actually doesn't enjoy unfamiliar. So it always pushes you to let go and go back to the familiar. So it's about becoming aware that, okay, this is what's happening within me. I need to learn what love actually is. I need to start treating myself in a different way. The reason why I allow any sort of abuse, whether it's physical or whether it's emotional, the reason I allow it is because that feels normal to me. It's familiar. And the reason most people stay in abusive relationships is because it mirrors their earlier years. And again, it's just the awareness of this is huge because then we are able to make different decisions. We're able to understand that if I keep going with the same type of person, the same thing's going to happen. And the reason I'm going there is because of the familiarity. Now, how do I, how do I get out of that? How do I not make that my familiar? Honestly, like I, I guarantee you everything that I'm going to like say is the answer is going to be emotional healing because that's what it is. I need to heal these parts of myself that are terrified. The parts of myself that carry so much fear, the parts of myself that are all within me, that collectively most of me has so much fear and so much anger and, you know, all of this, that this is my normal. And again, it's learning how to heal yourself, learning how you work, learning how to heal yourself, why things are the way they are. But the only reason anyone allows any sort of abuse or abusive behavior is because of that familiarity. Uh, I'm going to go to the next one. What are your recommendations for dissociation? I try to look at uh, time frequently to keep myself in the present. Anything else? you mind sharing okay there's a good question dissociation is the way that we keep ourselves safe and the reaction we have to emotional trauma when we experience when we have an experience that's emotionally distressful for us without that emotional distress being resolved That's emotional trauma. In that moment, our consciousness splits. And in that split, we create parts of ourselves, aspects of ourselves. We are dissociating in that moment. We reject an aspect of ourselves, and then we take on the other aspect, and it becomes part of our behavior. I've got a YouTube video called um, What is Trauma? that goes much deeper into this so you can get that understanding. So dissociation is very, very common. Everyone does it. It's the way that we stay safe in these moments. Now, unfortunately, there is a lot and a lot of unfinished advice out in the spiritual community, out in the healing community. And yes, it is beneficial and good and there are so many benefits of 
being in the present moment. In the present moment is fantastic. It really is. First of all, let's talk about what being in the present moment actually means. To be in the present means to focus on this moment right now. So why am I not doing that anyway? First of all, only this moment exists. The past has been and gone. And whenever we get to any point in the future, it becomes the present moment. So there is no such thing as the past. There's no such thing as the future. It's only now. That's all that exists. So how can I not be in the present when that's the only thing that exists? What does that even mean? What happens is we have experiences in our lives that create this split in the consciousness and we do dissociate and we reject parts of ourselves. Now, we reject this part of ourselves by putting it somewhere we don't have conscious awareness of, which is our subconscious. We are unaware of it. We are unaware of it. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that it's not there anymore. It's just we are unaware that it is there. This is how we keep ourselves safe. This one experience and this one aspect plays its role in my overall being. And that role may be that the emotions that it carries, I get triggered to feel. The thoughts that this part of myself carries are also playing a role in my overall thoughts. Our thoughts are creating the reality that we have. This is one experience, one part. We've had hundreds, if not thousands, of these experiences. And the thoughts that these parts of ourselves carry are thoughts like, I'm not good enough, I'm rejected, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable. These are thoughts that are constantly running because of the meaning that we gave in the moment we had the emotional distress without any of that resolution. So now these parts of ourselves are thinking these thoughts. They could also be thinking these thoughts based on what actually happened in that moment. So we're reliving these moments. And when we're just quiet and there's nothing to distract us we start taking on the thoughts of this part and it keeps reliving the memories of the past so now we're living the thoughts in imagination so we distract ourselves don't want to do that but that's how we're living in the past and living in that past which was extremely emotionally traumatic for us that activates the stress response in our body so our thoughts activate the stress response because of us thinking about things in the past this the experiences we've had in the past now what that what also happens is we catastrophize so we catastrophize, and this is very normal for a human being to catastrophize when you're living in survival. Because of the experiences we've had, the way that our consciousness splits and we dissociate is because we our survival mind kicks in. So with the survival mind kicking in and constantly happening hundreds and thousands of times, and these parts of ourselves are still there, we're just unaware of them. They're living in survival mode. That means there are so many parts of ourselves that we are unconscious of living in survival mode. And when you're living in survival mode, you're also catastrophizing. And for a human being, catastrophizing is quite normal. It's how we protect ourselves in so many different ways. So, for example, let's talk about like cavemen time. Uh, if there was an animal coming towards you, in that moment, you would catastrophize because what you would do is you would think of all of the worst case scenarios which would give you 
an advantage of being able to survive in that moment. So like, let's say if there was a tiger that was coming in front of me, I would catastrophize in that moment. I would think, okay, well, if the tiger comes forward, I can jump to the side and stab the tiger like this. Or if the tiger starts walking around, like in a circle around me, I can walk in a circle in the opposite way. And then that way it can't go behind me or anything. You would overthink and catastrophize of that moment because you're trying to survive. But what we've done is we've created a world where we're constantly catastrophizing. So we're constantly catastrophizing, am I going to pay the bills at the end of the month? Is this person going to turn up when I really, really need them to turn up? Oh, I'm going to be late for work for a few minutes. Is my boss going to, oh, what are they going to say? What's he going to say? Oh, if I don't go to this party, then people are going to talk about me. And what's that going to do? And we just catastrophize about everything. And catastrophizing is about being concerned about the future. Again, it's what could happen. So I'm overthinking, catastrophizing about what could happen as that will give me an advantage of surviving. Now, we're built for that to happen in the moment, let's say when the tiger's attacking. So then that attack would happen. And obviously, if we survived it, that attack would be over in minutes. But we've created a world that when we're worried about the bills at the end of the month, we're catastrophizing for an entire month. And then the next month, we're doing the same thing. And then sometimes we're catastrophizing about things, you know, we're getting, oh, it's a family gathering in three months. So we're catastrophizing about that for three months. And then something else. So we're constantly living in catastrophizing, living in survival. Now, catastrophizing also activates the stress response. So I can either be living in the past because of the experiences that I've had, which have caused me to dissociate, which have caused me to reject parts of myself that I am only unaware of. That's it. They're still there, but I'm just unaware of them. Think of it as like, if you're in a dark room and you don't know what's in that room, you're unaware of what's in that room, but they're still there. So that's happening as well as me catastrophizing about the future. So the whole reason you're being told to live in the present moment is so that you're not doing either of those things. So you're not attacking yourself with stress because of things that you're worried about in the past or catastrophizing in the future. That's the whole point of being in the present moment. By being in the present moment, you're not attacking yourself and you're present. You're not worried about this, worried about that. You can be completely focused and present. Now, that's good advice and it's always going to be beneficial to be present but the unfinished advice that is mostly in the spiritual community is that you're constantly being told to be in the present moment you need to live in the present but that means you're being told to reject everything that's taking you in the past now, those parts of you that you are unaware of are constantly trying to communicate with you because they want and need healing. And the way that we heal them is by doing the exact opposite. So instead of rejecting them, we need to pull them in. Now, if I'm constantly being told that I need to focus on only being in the present moment, which means ignoring the thoughts and the connection of the parts of me from the past. Then I'm doing the thing that caused me to be here in the first place, which is rejecting them. So yes, work on being able to be in the present moment. But that doesn't mean ignore the communication and the part these parts of you are trying to get your attention. It's not like your goal is to only be in the present because you can't, you cannot ignore 
these parts of yourself constantly you can't they are there they're trying to get your attention the only way you can ignore all of these parts of yourself is by continuously distracting yourself continuously numbing yourself that's pretty much it and that distraction can be work it can be the gym it can be uh, socializing it can be binge watching tv it can be social media it can be food you can numb yourself from it with alcohol weed uh, any sort of drug whatever it is if i'm constantly distracting myself okay i'm not hearing them but they're there and they are able to communicate with you for a reason you work like this you're not broken there is nothing wrong with you you are working the way you're meant to be working these parts of you are trying to communicate with you that's normal it's just you've never been taught and you've never learned what to do with that communication. And if you don't know, then you're stuck in suffering. So it's understandable that I want to get out of suffering. I don't want to be in this suffering. Oh, look, this person is telling me to be in the present moment. All right, I'm going to con- continuously try to be in the present moment. But then when I can't, now I feel like I'm doing wrong. That's unreal, unrealistic. That doesn't make sense because it's how you work. So it's about the present moment is great. And that's part of the array of things that you do, not just on your healing journey, but as a human being. But the overall goal isn't to constantly be in the present moment. It's really, really not. It's good it really is. And more often than not, whenever I'm present, and I'm able to be present more and more now than I was two years ago. But two years ago, when I wasn't at all, didn't mean that I was failing. It didn't mean that I was not doing it right or not human or not spiritual or not able. It's just understanding why I can't. And it's because there is communication, there is wounding that I have been through that I need to be able to heal. And that's completely normal and completely okay. So, again, like I said, it's about learning how to understand the communications of these parts of myself and heal them. And the more you heal them, then you're not going to constantly get loads of thoughts and loads of emotions firing at you all the time because they're being healed which then allows you to be in the present moment a lot more, like so much more. And that's essentially what we're aiming for anyway, is that overall state, is to be able to heal these parts of ourselves, to then be able to do this. It's not do this and if you can't, you're failing. I'm going to move on, guys. Um... I try to heal and let go, but sometimes my mind keeps going back to mistakes I have made and I feel embarrassed. I want to stop having those things ruining my time. Yeah. It's, you know what, I'm going to just go straight on to it. It's pretty much the same answer as what I just uh, talked about. But one thing I do want to let you know, your feelings are a communication. However you feel Every single time is a communication from you to you about you. doesn't matter if someone did something that triggered that emotional feeling in you. It's still a communication from you to you about you. And let's say someone did something and it's not necessarily a wound, but that emotional feeling is letting you know that your boundary has been crossed. It's always about you. So, If you feel embarrassed about something, then that means there are wounds there based around shame that need that attention from you. The way that your reality works is like this. Everything is the self. Everything is the self. You are creating this reality. And it's being created out of you. So, if 
an experience is created to then trigger an emotion, it's because that part of myself has created that experience to then trigger that emotion to get my attention to be able to take that part of myself on. So if there's anything that ever makes me feel embarrassed, then there is something there I need to look at. I need to look at what is making me feel that shame. And the way I do that is by taking that shame on, by taking that part of myself that is carrying the emotion of shame on instead of rejecting and pushing it away. And this is basically what we want to do with every single emotion. And I know, I know, can't do it with fear. Like, that's absolutely crazy. That's utterly insane. I know how that sounds. But there's something else we need to understand as well. When we feel so overwhelmed, when we're triggered, it's more than likely because it's not just one part of ourselves coming forward. If I'm on my healing journey and something happens and I feel this overwhelming emotional state, then it's probably, uh, it's numerous parts of myself that are being triggered, not just one. But then you hear someone like me saying, oh, you need to go in the emotion. And you're like, holy no, I'm not doing that. But that's not what happens. If I'm feeling, let's say, for argument's sake, let's say if something happens and I'm in this overwhelming emotional state, I'm more than likely starting to feel the emotional flashback of, let's say, for example, 20 parts of myself. But that doesn't mean that I will feel 20 parts of myself if I go into it. And that doesn't necessarily mean, yeah, the the fear could still be uh, a decent amount, but it's not going to be what we perceive it and what we think that it's going to be. But again, it doesn't mean you have to jump in the deep end. You know, I have so much content on my website, so much content on YouTube. I've got my online course. Follow me on social media. I put so many videos out with the specific effort and reason purpose to help you guys understand this more to allow yourselves to be able to move forward with this um next one i'm at the point in my journey that i recognize when i'm in a trauma response and i'm working on self-soothing mechanisms mechanisms (laughs) I'm, i'm gonna keep that in uh work but more importantly what exactly was a trigger and how to retain my brain yeah so basically the question is what is a trigger now we've we've, we have touched upon this but i'm just going to quickly mention it again and i do have videos where i go deeper into this a trigger is when it's an emotional flashback it's when a time we have rejected a part of ourselves and they are carrying an emotion. We reject it in our subconscious. Something will happen in our experience, in our reality, which will then trigger that part of ourselves to come forward, to start taking that part of ourselves on. So then we're feeling the emotion that it's carrying, but then we don't like to feel that. And we don't really know what's going on. We don't understand it. So we do the same thing we've always been doing. We reject and push that part of ourselves away again. And this can happen through just suppression of like us suppressing it. Um, And it could happen through distracting ourselves, using logic as a way to keep ourselves away from that. And an example of that would be, um, you know, if I've grown up in a household where my caregivers were really, really emotionally unavailable and really, really couldn't be there for me. There's parts of me that, you know, quite understandably and quite rightly would feel like they didn't love me. And then another, so I would 
be like, oh, wow, they didn't love me. And I start taking that part of myself on. And once I start taking that part of myself on, I start feeling the sadness that that part's carrying. I start feeling the despair that that part's carrying, maybe carrying fear as well. And I don't like that. So another part of me comes to my forefront to protect me with logic and goes, I don't know, but I know that they love me. Oh, of course they love me. My dad. It's my mom. Of course. So logic is another way that we keep ourselves away from feeling these parts of ourselves. And that's one that if you can get to the stage, look, this is the thing, right? Logic is a way that we protect ourselves, but you have to understand that these you are not one thing. You are an entire ecosystem. You are many parts. You are multiple personalities. And every single part of you is valid. Every single part of you is valid. What that means is that if a part of me truly feels like I wasn't loved and my parents didn't love me, that part is valid. Now, the logical side will come in and go, no, of course they did. They fed me, they clothed me, they, f- uh, you know, I was in a warm house. But that is invalidating the part of myself that truly feels like I wasn't loved. Now, if I go towards that part of myself that feels like I wasn't loved, it doesn't mean that that becomes reality. That's like, or it doesn't mean that I'm going to start hating my parents. It doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen right now. It doesn't mean that I'm going to hate anyone. All I'm doing in that moment is validating that part of myself. I'm not even trying to change what that part of me is feeling. I'm not going towards this part of myself to try and convince it of anything. Because that would be invalidating. One of the ways that we have learned, because everyone does this and we've learned, is the way we try and help each other as in society today is by trying to change how we feel. So, for example, if someone breaks up with someone, oh, let's cheer you up. Let's take you out. Come on. Oh, look at that girl at the bar there. She's looking at you you're truly like sad and when you're trying to be cheered up what you're being told is how you're feeling of being sad is not okay so that sad part of you is being invalidated and this is what a lot of people tend to do when they get to these parts of themselves they try to make them feel better and that's invalidating them That's the opposite, that you won't be able to heal them like that. It's about, okay, I'm only here for you. I'm just here for you. I'm here to feel what you're suppressing, what you're holding onto, so we can release it. And I can understand, I can validate you, and I can ask and try and work out what unmet needs you have and try and meet them whether that's meet them through a state of imagination or whether that's meet them by changing a behavior of myself whatever that is but going to these parts of ourselves is really really scary it can be because we're not sure what it even means or what's happening or what's going on we tend to think that oh if i go to this part of myself then the reality is what I thought the reality is that my parents didn't love me that I am unloved and the part of myself that uses logic to keep me away from that is for that very reason because if I go to this part of myself that doesn't feel like he or she was loved then that becomes the truth in that moment 
but our caregivers and our family and everyone love us to the best of their ability. Doesn't mean it's healthy. But in those moments where we go to these parts of ourselves, we're not trying to change them. We're not trying to change them by going, hey, everything turns out okay. We're not trying to change them by, well, okay, you don't need to cry. Come on, I'm here. None of that. Let them cry. Let them feel however they feel. It's that validation that they need. It's how do I love myself is by accepting all of these parts of myself. So I need to accept however this part of myself turns up. And I can be there for this part of myself. And another strong way of loving myself is by accepting this part of myself and validating this part of myself. And through the healing, I can reintegrate or take on this part of myself. This is the most powerful way of loving yourself, along with the other ways as well. Things to come up. I've got more online courses that I need to make. My next online course is the self-awareness course. We did that in uh, the Facebook community group. If you want to join that, the link for that will be in the description as well. Follow me on my social media. I've got meditations coming up. My next meditation is going to be a love meditation. And I've got another meditation where you become the observer. I've got loads of things coming up. Have a great day, guys.